I'm Heidi. And I'm Nicole. I'm Nicole's mom. And now I'm also a mom. We created this podcast to talk about all the joyful, beautiful, and sometimes awful parts of motherhood. We aren't experts, but we do have experience. Our goal is to talk about motherhood IRL. That means in real life, mom. Yeah, thanks, Nicole. And thanks for joining us in our motherful adventures. Thanks for sticking around for our second episode. I'm Nicole. Uh, my mom, Heidi, is my co-host, and we're super excited that you came back for episode two. Yay! In our first episode, <laughs> I shared my story about becoming a new mom and transitioning from no kids to having a baby. And my mom, Heidi, is on the opposite end of the spectrum. So she is officially an empty nester now, as of about a month ago, and officially a grandma. And all of her kids are out of the house. So today she's going to share her story, um, kind of how she has navigated raising teenagers and um, challenges of raising adult children. So super excited to hear that. Um, We'll start with her bio. So Heidi is a wife of 30 years and a mother to four adult children ages 26, 24, 28, or 21, and 18. She considers herself an empty nester. But that could change at any point because her kids tend to move back in. Her current in-home companions are two Aussie dogs and a husband who travels for work. Heidi teaches computers at an elementary school and finds fulfillment in her lifelong dream to be a teacher after graduating from BYU many years ago. Her hobbies include doing puzzles, resting, and watching Hallmark movies. Heidi is a proud drinker of Diet Pepsi, not Diet Coke. And only uses a Stanley mug because her daughter bought it for her. She's enjoying being an Oma and really appreciates FaceTime and Snapchat so she can see her grandbaby Finley daily. Okay, so let's get started. We're going to do some rapid fire questions first. And then we will go straight into the main body of our podcast. Rapid fire questions. I'm excited. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, What book are you reading right now? Okay, I just finished a book called The Magnolia Palace by Fiona Davis. It wasn't my favorite, but I finished it. Not about magnolias? Not about magnolias. Nope. <laughs> okay, I'm reading a book called Real Moms, Making It Up As We Go. It's by um, an author. Her name is Lisa Valentine Clark, I think. And I actually found out about it because I was listening to her podcast. And her book is basically... Uh, what I envision my podcast to be, but in book form. And she's hilarious. So I really hope that we're as funny as her, but I don't think we will be because I literally laugh out loud like every page. I don't know if we can be. (laughs) Okay, next question. What show are you watching right now? I am in the midst of watching The Voice. Ooh, I actually... I've never been hooked on that one. I don't even know what season it is. I know. It's been around for a while, huh? Yeah. Um, I've been watching the Kardashians. Yeah. I don't know how I feel saying that because I'm not usually a reality TV person, um, but I actually really like the Kardashians. It's on Hulu. <laughs> and I didn't know anything about them before I started watching this new season, but they're like really good people. Like they're they're Christian. I don't know if you knew that, but they're super Christian And they're super into family and they just are trying to make a difference in the world. And like, 
They're actually good people. I just thought that they were like rich Hollywood snobs, but I actually feel like it's kind of uplifting. It makes me want to be a better person when I watch it. So never thought I'd say that about the Kardashians. I know. Me either. Wow. Okay. Okay. Next question. What is your least favorite chore? (laughs) Oh, definitely folding laundry. It makes my back hurt. Okay. It's funny that you say that because I also hate folding laundry. That was my least favorite chore. Yeah. It's not fun. I feel like it never ends. I don't usually feel that. But I definitely don't like it when my laundry is done in the dryer. That's not my favorite time. Wait, what do you mean by that? Because <laughs> if it's done in the dryer, then I have to fold it. <laughs> so you, you don't mind the putting it in the washer and the no. dryer part. You just don't like the folding part. I don't. <laughs> okay. If I could actually, I bet if I could just hang oh all goodness. of my clothes I would feel so much better. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That is really funny. Okay. I'm glad we clarified that. Yes. Okay. Do you have any mom hacks? Well, I know that's kind of a tough question because mom hacks weren't really a thing when I was growing children. But um, I think one thing that made life easier or better for me was just making sure that my kitchen was clean before I went to bed at night. Because when I wake up in the morning to a clean kitchen, it's like a game changer and your day is going to be better. Yeah. Instantly in a good mood. Right. Yep. I feel the same way. My mom hack is probably something called a haka. And I feel like only uh, my generation will know what this is. Maybe even some people won't. It is technically a manual breast pump. But you put it on one side while the baby is nursing on the other side and it catches all your letdown. So it's a way to build up your milk supply without like actually having to pump. And I have had a huge freezer stash since she was a newborn um, and barely used my breast pump, like hardly at all. So that is a pretty awesome invention. Whoever came up with that. Um, yeah. Great idea. The first time I saw you use that, I was like, what? <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah. Where was this when I was breastfeeding? Yeah. It's pretty great. It's very convenient yeah. to have bottles readily available if um, I ever need them. So, okay. So getting into our more serious questions, um, I want to take us all the way back to the very beginning, how our family got started. So that was 30 years ago. You want to talk about how you and dad met? Yes, 30 years ago. So we actually happened to meet as missionaries in the MTC, the Missionary Training Center. And to be honest, like completely honest, we really only said hi to each other. We didn't even have a conversation. So it wasn't like we were doing anything wrong. (laughs) Um, But then when... He got to his mission, which was the East German mission. This was in 1990. It was right after the wall came down in East Germany. And so dad was there and I was in Munich. And because it wasn't the same mission, we could write letters. So we wrote letters back and forth for about 18 months. And then when I came home, I was at BYU and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And when he came home, his family lived in Sandy. And so we got together and then he went to BYU the next semester and we ended up seeing each other pretty much every day. So we got engaged in March and we got married in August. That was very quick. 
I guess you had been writing for two years though. So we pretty much, I mean, we pretty much knew each other pretty well at that point. And, and I had always told myself as a missionary, I said, this is the kind of guy I want to marry. Yeah. If he's as good in person as he is in writing, then I think we have a shot. No, that makes sense. And long distance always does something. Me and Tanner were long distance for a little bit too. And there's just something about long distance that you really get to know each other. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Okay. So after you got married, how long did you wait to have kids? And was that the plan? I finished school and let's go back. So I, I told him when we got married, I wanted to start a family and he wanted to wait till we were done with school. And so our compromise was to go off the birth control pill after a year. So I did that. But for some reason, we weren't able to conceive until I actually started my first year of teaching. So no, that was not the plan. (laughs) But Heavenly Father knew what was going on, and there were just things that happened throughout the next 20 years that I I would always think, you know, if I had a child that was three years older than my oldest, this would be a totally different story. And so in waiting three years for our first child, we kind of learned that God's timing is better than ours. So you were born in 96, and that just happened to be uh, when dad was in flight school, which was uh, kind of a bad time because he wasn't making any money. And then we decided to move back to Utah, and I got a job teaching, and Morgan was born. And so dad was working as a pilot, but still not making very much money. And he finally got on with the major airlines in the year 2000. And Nathan was born in February of 2001. And as we all know, in September of 2001, the World Trade Centers were attacked. And uh, consequently, a lot of pilots lost their jobs. And dad was one of them. So in hindsight, it turned out to be quite a blessing for our family, even though it was very devastating for him at the time. He was able to get a job for SkyWest that lasted about 12 to 14 years. I can't remember the timeline exactly. And he was able to be home with you guys while we were raising you almost every single night. And I think that really was a blessing for our family. Caleb was born then in 2003, and he was actually quite a good baby. But I realized recently that there were a few years that are kind of a blur in my memory. And it happened to be when he, he was born in 2003. And so from 2004 to 2007, I don't have a lot of memory. I think I might have just been in survival mode at the time. And dad happened to have quite a demanding calling with the church. And um, so he was gone quite a bit. And in fact, he was almost gone so much that we were driving past the church once and Nate looked over at the church and he asked me where dad was. And I said, he's at work. And and he goes, no, he's not. His car's not there. (laughs) He thought that dad worked at the church. Yes, because he was gone there so much. Oh, that's funny. Um, so that was a really hard time. And I mean, you have four kids under eight, you were eight when Caleb was born. And Mm -hmm. so that, that was challenging. But then we come to our teenage years 
it's hard to believe that like 10 years ago, all my kids were at home. We were enjoying our teenage years. We were loving life. And now I'm an empty nester. But did you actually enjoy your teenage years? Because <laughs> I feel like I feel like a lot of moms are terrified of having teenagers. Like I'm actually terrified to have teenagers because I feel like that's like the scariest time. They're all starting to leave and do their own thing and you don't have as much control over them and they make their own choices. And... Well, that's true. Um, but I felt like I'm not saying that it was all sunshine and roses. We definitely had our moments of pain as teenagers. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Our moments of pain. Um, well, so here's the thing. You have teenagers, they're trying to figure out what's going on with themselves. But as a parent, you still have some sort of control. Like you have basic rules, you see them on a regular basis. For the most part, they sleep at your house, they eat at your house. Hopefully they bring your their friends to your house. And even if they're just hanging out in the basement, at least they're there. I felt like our family was heading in the right direction with all that stuff. Like we had fun when we were together. We made awesome memories. And I really felt like you guys got along, you know, like I didn't think there was a ton of fighting. There was fighting, but I think you were pretty much all friends with each other. Yeah, I feel like we were friends. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I was friends with you. Um, I remember being very frustrated that your calling was always in young women's. Um, <laughs> at one point, I think you started out as like a camp director. And so you went to girls camp with me and I was like, okay, this is my thing. Like you don't need to come to girls camp. And then shortly after that, I'm pretty sure you were called as an advisor or into the presidency or something. And then I think when I was like 15 or 16, you were called to be the president. And at that point I was like, okay, Seriously, like, can somebody else's mom just please do this? Because I'm sick of my mom coming to Young Women's with me. Like, this is supposed to be my thing. I'm the youth. I'm the 12 to 18 year old. Like, I want to do my own thing. I understand <laughs> that. Not my favorite time. That's valid. Okay. Well, to be honest, I didn't really want to be your friend either when you were a teenager. Okay. So I'm okay with you thinking that we weren't friends. I think teenage girls and boys need a mom. I think they have other best friends, you know, that are their age. And so I am familiar with some women who really just wanted to be their teenage daughter's best friend. And I think at that age, they need someone to tell them no. And they, they need someone to kind of enforce boundaries and they need a mom set the rules and stuff. They don't need a best friend. Correct. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So, but in general, you, you did enjoy the teenage years, yeah. even if you were not my best friend. <laughs> I did. Um, I thought, I thought they were decent. <laughs> yes. What about your stage of life right now? Having adult children, trying to parent adults. Are there any challenges you have? You know, <laughs> I really feel like nobody talks about how hard it is to parent emerging adults. And I feel like this might be one of the hardest stages, even maybe harder than teenagers. Because at this stage, like it's, it's knowing how I can help my kids without being too helpful. Mm -hmm. They're all super capable and independent. And I 
have tons of counsel and advice and things that I want to share with them, Mm -hmm. but I have to wait for them to be ready and to ask me before I give it. Yeah, that makes sense. Cause I feel like transitioning from a teenager to an adult, you're so excited to finally not have so many rules and limitations. Like I remember my first semester at BYU, I still was teaching piano at your house And so I lived on campus, but I still had to come home. It was probably three or four days a week that I was coming home to teach piano, which was my job. But it was just weird going back home. And I remember being so frustrated because none of my other friends, none of my roommates had to go back home four times a week. And I just felt so annoyed that I was still home with my family when all I wanted to do was just be on my own and be an adult and prove that I could you know, handle my own life. And I felt like you were still way involved when I really just wanted to be on my own. Yeah, that makes sense too. Well, and, and we kind of have to go back to like the elementary years when parents have a lot of influence on kids during like from kindergarten to sixth grade. And so we feel like, you know, we have, that's when we have the most influence. There's, there's not a lot of negative exposure. Kids are sheltered. It's easy to protect them. Then they get into middle school and high school and there's a lot more outside influences. It's harder to know exactly what your kids are learning and doing. Um, It's harder to find time to have meaningful conversations. And then we get to the, you know, emerging adult years where they're actually starting to form their own opinions and perceptions on life. And it seems like they might not always follow your example and they might not always make the choices that you taught them to make. And, and that's kind of really hard to watch for parents. Yeah. And they're finally free to actually make their own decisions and like fully experience the consequences. Right. Well, so there's basically a solid 18 years where a parent has influence. And um, so like, let's, let's give an example of like Finley right now. She's eight months old. She's learning. She just learned how to crawl. So she is like, a solid crawler and you're like so excited because you know she is moving forward and and learning and growing and then the next step is going to be walking she's going to walk and that's going to be so much better because then she's not going to be touching all the dirt on her hands that's on the floors and everywhere Mm -hmm. and that's a that's a super awesome place for her to be and she's just going to walk and she's going to she's going to go from walking to running and then she's going to be riding a bike And so I kind of want to compare that to like how sometimes our adult children kind of revert. And so we've taught them all these things and they're walking and um, then suddenly they go back to crawling. And it's kind of hard to watch because I feel like, why would you crawl when you could walk? And you could get there so much faster and so much easier. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's really one of the hard things about watching your adult children um, grow and make their own decisions and stuff, because I feel like I know that there's better ways to do it and ways that won't be harder for them. Well, and you have a different perspective because you've already experienced it. Right. 
you might have made the exact same choices that they're making when you were exactly an emerging adult. Yeah. In your, you know, early twenties and you're like, okay, that decision did not work out for me. So you should not be making that decision. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so even if they are making decisions that you agree with, you've talked about how it's still hard watching them go through hard things, even if they're doing everything right. You know, oh, there's always challenges. For sure. Kids are yeah. always learning and growing and having experiences. And sometimes even if they're doing everything that you want them to be doing and you're just so proud of them, they still have to go through hard things. And just an example of this, last week you were talking to me, um, my youngest brother, Caleb, just went on his mission. He's in the Philippines um, and he just barely got to the Philippines a week ago. So he's been in the field for one week. And do you want to tell our listeners about your conversation with him last week? Yeah, it was our very first um, phone call slash video call. And it was his P day. It was Monday for him and it was Sunday for us. So it was Sunday evening. And we just were talking about how his week went. And I asked him to tell me what's the hardest thing and what was the, what was the best thing? And he kind of couldn't tell me he, he had a hard time with his emotions and he is not an emotional person. By no, <laughs> he's very easygoing, no. very go with the flow. Yeah. So to imagine him like trying not to cry, yeah. I can't even picture that to be honest. Well, then after a while he stopped trying not to, and we just all cried together, but it's really hard oh. being in a whole new place not knowing the language. I mean, that I've done that before on my mission. I remember being a new missionary. You probably do too in, in Japan. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, yes. They're very vivid memories of that. It is not fun. <laughs> and so to just try to help Caleb work through it and try not to cry myself, that was, that was really hard for me to do. And then as soon as we hung up, we had, we talked for over an hour and as soon as we hung up, I just sobbed. I, I didn't know there's not a lot that I can do at this point. And so watching him yeah. struggle and have these challenges is really, really hard for parents. I mean, think about like last week, Finley, <laughs> she, she cut two of her top teeth last week. Oh, she was, yeah, getting her top teeth. And there was not very much you could do to console her. no. No. And so you kind of have a measure of that understanding about kind of being helpless, watching your kids suffer and yeah, then just magnify that quite a bit more because then they're making their own choices or, you know, yeah, it's just like it might not have anything to do. Yeah. Because I was just going to say, I remember when I was like nine months pregnant with Finley talking to you about if you were going to be in the hospital with me. It wasn't really an option because of COVID. I think the hospital was still limiting um, the number of people that I could have in the room. But I had expected that you were going to be really sad about that, that you couldn't come and be in the room when I was giving birth. And <laughs> you were not sad about it. <laughs> and I was like, what the heck? No. <laughs> like, you've been so excited for your first grandbaby for like five years. <laughs> and mm -hmm. you're not, you don't want to be in the room when she's born. And you said you didn't want to have to watch me go through the pain of labor. You said it was going to be too hard and that it wasn't something that you 
were looking forward to. And I just thought that was interesting because I hadn't um, like considered that perspective before. Yeah. No, it's not fun watching your children be in pain or suffering at all. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So at this point, we have pretty much talked about all of the stages of parenting talked about how crazy your life was um, when you had four kids between zero and eight, how you don't even remember those years. <laughs> and then the joys and some challenges of teenage years and that um, adult years are really hard and not fun. <laughs> well, no, I can't say that, <laughs> that they're sounds not. so negative. I can't say that they're not yeah. fun. I, I really love having adult children because they're like my forced friends. <laughs> They have to come and see mom, <laughs> but, um, there are some challenges that I wasn't expecting to. Yeah. That's just what I mean. Yeah. So as we were growing up, do you feel like there was any overarching principles that you really tried to focus on anything that you really wanted us to know as we were growing up? Yes. Do you remember my family motto that I came up with? Yeah. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question. <laughs> Be good, do good was something that you always said all the time, every time we left the house. Yep. So I just really feel like if my kids can be good people and make good choices that don't hurt others and then do good by serving others as much as you can, I just really think that will help them to be awesome people. Yeah, I kind of agree with that because I was thinking about this question as well. And I, I really feel like as my kids grow up, I want them to be able to put themselves in other people's shoes and really get to know people maybe that they don't really like or that they don't agree with or that have different opinions than them. I want them to be able to picture where that person is coming from and try to understand them and just know that like kindness is always the best answer. Yeah, it is. Because you don't know somebody else's situation. So wh why would you do something to hurt their feelings or make them feel less than you? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I also want my children, and I, I think they know that I want them to know this, but that they are loved by heavenly parents as well as earthly parents, and that the Savior Jesus Christ is their brother and their friend, and um, that he loves them, and he wants them to be happy, and he pretty much has shown us how to do that. And so even if some of my children are not really... Um, accepting that information right now, I still know that they know that I believe it and, um, mm -hmm. they respect that from me. And so mm -hmm. hopefully one day they will be happy and they will, um, be living the life that is their best life. I like that. Okay. So to wrap things up, uh, the final question that we like to ask at the end of our episode is what advice would you give to your former self? I think one of the things that I should have done when I was going through those years of forgetfulness, the ones <laughs> that I just kind of wiped from my memory, I probably should have asked for more help. I mean, dad was a great husband and a great dad. If I would have asked him for more, he would have given more for sure. Yeah. I could have asked for help from parents or from friends there were a lot of times that I just was like, I can do this all by myself. I don't need anybody's help. And then it just kind of 
didn't end up great. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I realize now that there are so many people in our lives that want to help and that are willing to help. And, and really all we have to do is ask and we could really make a lot of improvement in our lives. And my best effort probably could have been way better had I asked for help and, and had that burden to share. That's really good advice. I will have to, uh, take that advice as I have more kids. Cause I feel like I am very much a do it myself type of person. I just want to do everything. Just do all the things. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to keep working out for me. <laughs> it does get to be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story and um, to all of our listeners. Thanks for listening. We hope that you found something that resonated with you and maybe had some inspiration for your own motherhood journey and your own kids and your own family. And um, we hope that you join us again next week. We'll have our first guest and we're very excited. 